Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Like always, I am your host, Sean Siriani, and we got an exciting episode for you. But before I get into that, I want to say a couple things. First off, the biggest shout out to our new home studio, TalkShoe. I recorded roughly my last 10 episodes there, and it's such an incredible space. Um, through the last handful of episodes, you've heard some appearances from my producer there, Alex. And unfortunately, well, unfortunately for me, Alex uh, needed some time to focus on school and she stepped away from talk show for the time being. And I just want to give her the biggest shout out and thank you. Um, I feel like one thing that makes this show excel and makes the interviews real great is the vibe around it. And Alex would always bring like such a great vibe and enhance my guest's comfortability coming into the studio with me. And uh, yeah, she's just done a lot of work from taking photos to sharing the creative imbalance on all of the talk show social media networks. And yeah, just wishing you all the best and thank you. And another shout out um, through that transition. I'm just like, oh shit, like. I lost Alex. Who's going to be here? Who's going to take her place? And uh, I am blessed again with another amazing person, uh, Erica, who is the the new producer there. And like Alex, has been wearing many hats, uh, helping me out in so many different ways. And again, just an awesome vibe and so helpful. And one thing she messaged to me today was, can you please keep bringing in badass rock stars to see me? And Erica, I promise you that there's a handful of things I don't want to spill the beans on for the future of the show, but it will unfold. And speaking of badass rock stars, segue to my guest today, the legendary Biff Naked. I had such a blast talking to Biff. Very insightful, very personal, and it's probably been the most excited I've been for an interview in a while. And I just felt like there was endless things I could talk to her about. Have beyond respect for her. And I believe she just has so many different perspectives in life. From being born in India, adopted, coming to Canada, grinding it out in a punk band, in the trenches, to becoming a mainstream superstar. And the overall struggles throughout her journey and curveballs from being diagnosed with cancer and overcoming that and being a support to many women who are fighting breast cancer themselves. And from hearing her talk in other interviews prior to this one, I just have so much respect for her soul and her heart and her overall boldness and honesty in the way she speaks. And like all those interviews I've watched prior, she brings that same vibe into this one talking with me. And I haven't listened to this back yet. I'm, I'm really excited to. And to break the fourth wall, there is a couple moments where I felt like such a dork in a way. Uh, and even there was a few things I planned asking her, which I didn't end up doing. These couple moments that are coming to my mind right now is, uh, again, to break the fourth wall on my interview style. If you heard these episodes before, there's a certain flow to it. And that's because when whoever my guest is answering my question, um, I'm listening attentively. And from their answer, I will turn it into another question that builds on that. And I remember two moments in this interview where uh, she'd, answer, she'd be answering my opening question. 
And during it, my brain would just trail off and I probably had a big goofy smile on my face. In the voice of my head um, was being a bit of a giddy nerd like, this is so cool. <laughs> We're just hanging out with Biff naked. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> by the time she finished the answer, uh, <laughs> I kind of have like these pause moments where uh, where I forgot what my follow up was going to be. But uh, yeah, we, ju- we just kind of kept it natural in this one. And uh I'm sure the pauses are worse in my imagination than they actually are on the the audio. But yeah, I'm excited to throw this one at you. It's hella candid, and um, I appreciate Biff for her time. And she said she'd enjoy talking to me and would be down to do another one in the future. So yeah, maybe we can make this an annual conversation, maybe once a year with Biff. She's got a lot of awesome stuff coming up in the new year. A brand new book, a brand new album, a tour. And I want to let you know, if you happen to be listening to this on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TalkShoe, or any of your favorite podcast listening apps, each and every one of these episodes has its own homepage at www.girthradio.com. Over there, if you click on the link to the episode, you'll see pictures of us in the studio, a link to our last book, I Biffyish, some absolute classic music videos, and links to all her social media where you can keep tabs on when the new album's going to be dropping and when the tour's happening, and anything else that we talked about on this episode. All right? Well, I think that's all I got to say for an intro. Thank y'all for clicking on the show. And here's Biff Naked coming at you right now. Girth Radio in session. I want to say thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, it's kind of cool. I was I woke up today and uh, I was kind of thinking of uh, back in time how I've been introduced to you and stuff, and it's almost like I've wanted to meet you for twenty years. Oh my god. Um, I remember when I was a teenager, the moment of weakness video coming on heavy rotation <gasps> over and over. And I kind of come from uh, a town where it's like more conservative people. Right. And like, I always had like been like the punk rock uh, metal weirdo. Yeah. And just seeing this girl like go through an office building, throwing shit around. I'm like, I don't know girls like that. Oh, that's yeah. funny. That's awesome. So uh, I wanted to ask you like, um, even like, it's crazy, like, um, kind of prepping for this interview. I felt like I was over prepping than I like what I usually do. Oh, because I was like, oh, this is like um, a big talk for me. But then I realized as I was listening to other interviews with you and kind of like your spirit and stuff like that, I ripped that page of all the mundane questions and I just kind of made a point. I'm like, let's talk about life. Sure. It seems like, um, just you have so many unique and intense perspectives from all over the board from just moving to a different country at a young age from being in the light of like the mainstream media and even like a cancer survivor and everything Mm -hmm. and um 
what I've noticed through going back and watching all these interviews, you always have like this strong spirit and it even bleeds through like your music and stuff. Like, have you always had that spirit since you were a child? Like it just, you mean just like positive kind of positive really everything. Like I almost called like, a square. It's re- okay. Really? I'm a square. Well, yeah. you know, I think that it's not really popular for someone to just be always relentlessly optimistic. Yeah. Um, uh, I blame my adoptive parents, mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, they were missionaries there. My mother's from Minnesota, which all, you know automatically makes her like a, phys- a physically living reincarnation of Rose Nyland from the Golden Girls. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like just like, just ultimately naive, but innocent, positive, just loving. Uh, my parents were both academics, and yeah, they raised three daughters. I was the middle kid. And we were just like disgustingly optimistic, positive little (laughs) lights for our parents. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like there's, I don't know, some strength in that too? Like, I know some people like kind of, um, I don't know, shy away, like the pessimistic people and stuff like that. But I don't know, everybody I meet who has that spirit tends to just, I don't know, excel in things. They don't dwell on like... Yes. Like maybe the curveballs that come in your life or whatever you are, sure. already have the mindset to go past it. You, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm always the kid who thinks the glass is half full, not half empty. Yeah. And that, I guess, definitely can carry me through any stress, you know, any stressful situation. My managers um, used to tell me when I was a young performer never to talk in between songs ever. Really? Never. Because we would be doing these like raging, like, whoa, 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 hardcore songs. Yeah, yeah, And they'd be like, just don't talk in between songs and we're going to be good. Yeah. And I'd go, okay. And I'd try really hard not to talk. And then we'd be like, whoa, you know, these songs. And then I go, thank you for coming to the show. (laughs) You guys are awesome. And they would be like, man, you blow it every time. You just like, you blow the tough thing. Yeah. But But, I don't know. I think it's partly because I'm a Gemini, so it doesn't matter. I can kind of embrace that duality. Uh, But at the same time, you know, I don't know, loud, aggressive music should be fun. And it's an outlet, really. You know, for all that rage and anything that's uh, painful, uh, all of us that are artists in any manner, whether we are painters, writers, comedians, even wrestlers, mm-hmm. you know, you, you basically channel all those um, unfortunate bits of your life into your artwork. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of your life, you know, hopefully, you know, you can kind of retain that positivity and optimism. I don't know. There's no point in, in holding on to stuff and, and grudge holding and being resentful. And I don't know, maybe it's my parents raising us that way, but it just seems to be easier. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of like... Uh how you would talk in between your songs once in a while too. And, you know, I believe every, there's, there's got to be a healthy balance too. And maybe because I'm a fellow Gemini as well. Oh, it's cool. just like, I relate to that too. Oh, where, it's, cool. where it's like, maybe they wanted to push like this badass image on you. Cause you look, obviously you got like sure. the tattoos, the black hair, piercings and Back everything. Back in the nineties, it was a little more, um, 
it was a little more uh, unique, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And, and so yeah. I think that that lent itself to kind of having a tough image because it just wasn't popular. Mm-hmm. You know, now I really look square, really, compared to these neck tattoo girls and all the black tear tattoos on their faces. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, I got nothing. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, well, hey, you win. But you, you never know. Like, uh, they've probably seen you at a very young age on Much Music and you you inspired and pioneered that I look, hope you know, so, like yeah. everything evolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. I, I feel like also like um, just like following you and I've read like a, a bit of your book and everything too. And it's it's um, it's um a beautiful thing, like just your spirit, uh, it's almost you're a leader to different people of like just projecting strength to them too. Um, I was watching a bunch of interviews with you and your... Uh, your whole like cancer sorority and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, do you still uh, like I, I watched an older interview. Do you, are you still involved in like that? And like I'm actually just writing a cancer book right now, uh, yeah. partnering with Women's College Hospital here in Toronto. Oh, beautiful. And yeah. it's going to basically be um, a bit of a guide yeah. in a way of how to navigate uh, getting through diagnosis, treatment and and uh, after survival ship. Um, just with a great attitude and, you know, to try and literally make it fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, because ultimately for me, I was like, okay, I have to go through chemo. I'm like, that is so punk rock. I am so into that. I can't wait to have my mohawk haircut. I can't wait to, you know, be bald. It's great. Scars are cool. You know, they're just like lots of self-talk that I think really helped me as kind of a riot girl. In a way, I came from a different generation uh and there was no instagram when i went through treatment so it wasn't really talked about all that much and i didn't have a lot of resources um to you know there weren't there just weren't any blogs about it there weren't any like facebook groups there weren't there there wasn't any other sorority uh except for the women that i met at the cancer agency who are all you know a lot older than me uh, it came from way different backgrounds than me, but ultimately we all just had all the same fears and feelings, and yeah, it was yeah. such a cool uh, journey. Honestly, it was. I, I always feel really happy that I was diagnosed and went through that because I never would have become a volunteer had I not been diagnosed myself. Yeah, and, and I love volunteering. I love being, doing peer support for those ladies. I, I became a medical chaperone, and I love doing that. Um, I don't know. I, I still think it was a, a really a stroke of good fortune for me. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective, mm-hmm. too, because um, I don't know. And I feel that way, too. It's like you never like wish like any bad things to happen to anybody or yourself. But sometimes when you get through those heavy like moments in life, yes, it turns into like a, a beautiful like flower of like just... Yeah. Some, something magical in oh, a it's way. It's a badge you know, of honor. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sense of, of self-worth, too, because mm-hmm. you, you did accomplish basically getting through it unscathed, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's just interesting. Um, over the years, just through touring and stuff like that, we've met people all over the world that are, are in just the most grave circumstances, mm-hmm. some of them. And, and they were probably some of the most positive people I've ever met. Yeah. And that was just like... You know, that it is like a smack of reality yeah. where you go, my problems are nothing compared mm-hmm. to this individual. And they are like so positive, radiate, you know, they're just like, just go, you know, yay. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
You just can't complain after you meet people like that, yeah, ever. Definitely. And I find like sometimes you'll like cross paths with somebody who's like hasn't had a scar, has been given everything, right. and then they get the wrong order of coffee and yes. they're losing their mind in a yes. Starbucks. And it's just like. <laughs> yes, we see those guys every yeah, day. It's just like no perspective on the bigger picture of everything and how yeah. blessed they are and everything. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think that's really common in our society. Um, I don't know. I think that people ultimately, when given the opportunity or presented with the opportunity to do the right thing, always do. Yeah. Even those entitled, you know, pieces of shit. You know, yeah, they're yeah. just like beyond. Like, I forget what it was. I saw some, some road rage incident, you know, on social media last week. And there was another one where a lady was yelling racial slurs at the cashier in a, in a shopper's drug mart or whatever it oh, was. And, yeah. and this stuff comes in my feed and I just think, oh, what is like, what happened to that individual that they kind of took on this, this negative BS that they're spewing, like, yeah, you know, yeah. vomit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What is it? And, and ultimately, I think that, you know, instead of getting angry and chiming, a lot of people chime in on the comments and then it just kind of gets it, it, it cycles through mm. and then everyone gets negative everyone gets kind of kind of infected yeah it's almost that. like a sickness too and it yeah. spreads and it's like almost turns into a mob mentality where it definitely all does on it. Yeah, yeah yeah so i'm more interested in you know how to avoid that how to stop that yeah you know by either a not commenting mm-hmm. a and b just you know trying to like you know, always say to myself, poor baby, to that individual, yeah. because they're lacking, you mm-hmm. know, ultimately. Yeah. I feel like you're very o- aware of, like, different energies that things give off. And, like, uh, um, I don't know, I feel like even I've started to get, like, a little more sensitive to stuff like that. Like, Oh, interesting. Good, good and negative where sure. to the point where I'm trying to, like, or, like, even recently, like, this year, I kind of pushed uh, away some negative draining type of people away in my life and kind of focused on spending my time more with people who make me feel good and just like even doing different kinds of work and stuff like that and I find like there's just this exponential growth that would take me too long to explain on the mic right now I totally um, get that yeah yeah do you feel like that's something you live by as well too because I see like how much I don't know. I think that everyone has in their life those people who are going to be like energy vampires. Yeah. And I don't mean to sound cliche about it. I think that there's always going to be challenging people. Mm -hmm. Look at your own family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think that the the whole thing about it is definitely you want to keep uplifting people near you. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's impossible to do all the time. Yes. You know, again, go back to your family or or close friends. What do you do with those negative people? You know, how can you like not get, you know, completely frustrated and exhausted by them uh, because of the histrionics or the emotional drainage? Like just Mm -hmm. ultimately you can look at them like they are your teachers. They are actually a gift because they are teaching you patience. They are oh, teaching facts. you tolerance yeah, yeah. that, you know, you can carry with you. And that's all it is. You know, you can zone out. You don't even have to listen to them. Yeah, <laughs> you can just yeah. think, this is a great lesson for me. 
Mm, like, yeah. how am I going to turn this into something that's positive? You can. That's all you can do. And then uh, hope to get out of there as soon as you can. Yeah, yeah, that's facts. Like, it's like maybe just get a sprink, a sprinkle of that. It's not too bad that's here right. and there. It just almost gives you your own like perspective too. Absolutely. Because again, if you're just hanging out like in this big happy bubble, yes. bubble, like I feel like that can. I don't know, damage your perception of what is real as well. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a coping technique for sure. That kind of relentless optimism is definitely something that will help you cope. Mm-hmm. You know, I always kind of uh, liken it to a dog getting hit by a car. The yeah. dog's going to just like stand up immediately, even no matter how hurt it is. It'll stand up. I'm good and run. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because that's an instinct. Mm-hmm. And once positivity becomes an instinct for somebody, it really helps carry you through life because life can be kind of sucky. Yeah, yeah. Really, for sure. Uh, especially nowadays. I mean, people have climate grief, you know, that they don't even realize they're carrying. They have like, you know, the, these really crazy fears that we never used to have to deal with as adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people are definitely in, in dire straits financially, more so than any other time in history. Yeah. All our parents are getting old, you know, and I mean, like, they're getting sick old. There's no pensions. Like, I mean, there's just so much that's happening that can ultimately wear you down. It can make you kind of feel a bit hopeless. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it has, you have to keep it fun and funny. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, you're just gonna like get sucked in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's good to have the perspective and be aware, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, the only thing we can control is how we react. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I love how you just said you got to keep it fun and funny because that's, that's very close to my heart, too. Oh, it's yeah, like, I have to. Even sometimes I'll have like a moment where something will happen to me, and then like the, I'd have like, I don't know, almost like an opposite reaction than what I call like a normal person where right. I just like say like a witty one liner right? and it's oh, almost yeah. like a internal defense of or course. whatever. And I don't know if it's like, I don't want people to see me weak or oh, something. I don't yeah, I, like I there's layers to it. Yeah, it's yeah. natural. It's like yeah. being an elevator talker, yeah, which yeah. is what I am. Or it's like being a nervous laugher. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, like, you know, in the worst situation in your family, the best thing you can do is have chocolate milk come out your nose. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. literally, that's your job. Yeah. And that, that's the best job you can do because that'll make your siblings laugh, break the ice. You know, people can hit the reset button mm-hmm. on, a, on a conversation or whatever the case. Um, you have to have that slapstick one liner kind of input. Yes. Yeah. You have to. You got to yeah. be jarring with your humor. And that really does shake it up for people. Yeah. I love that too. And then especially if you go through, I notice in situations where you go through something that's shitty with a bunch of people and yes. you're that one that makes the joke, it can yep. kind of like put a weight off like everybody else's shoulder. Absolutely. It's like, oh, we're going to be okay. It almost yeah. gives you like a bit of hope in a way. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's leadership. Yeah. I, I wish I could quote the comedian on this, but it was... Somebody I either talked to on the show or listened in another interview, but they were talking about how that almost like comedy, like you see like a lot of standups like talk about their strategy. Yes. But in the in a way, them doing that, doing that on stage, it's just dominating the problem like to the next level. Right. Just like I own this. Like, right. like life's not perfect, but like That's I'm just right. going to make fun of it and yes. like just roasting the problem. Absolutely. Even if it's yourself or whatever. Like, yes. Like, I don't know. I've always like fascinated. It's very that. funny too. Yeah. Self-deprecating humor is very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even I think 
I don't know. There's there's something beautiful about that too, especially too like on the other spectrum, uh, like songwriters like yourself too. Mm-hmm. Maybe you go through like a different experience and put that out in sadness as well, like on a track or something like mm-hmm. a little more somber. I, I think that's like another way of just kind of dominating that emotion and turning it into like a beautiful flower in a way. Yeah, exactly. That's a great analogy. That's exactly what happens. And again, I think that probably painters or sculptors or writers, they all do the same thing Mm -hmm. as songwriters do. You just really channel all your emotional experiences, whether they're good or bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And like, I know you're busy with the book right now too. Have you been writing like any new music right now? Yeah, we have a new record coming out. Fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. it's really exciting. We started making it last year. And um, yeah, we've been in mixing and mastering most of the summer. Uh, We play shows a lot of the time in the summer, so... This is our time to kind of get focused and, you know, get a video ready and and put the first single out, hopefully beginning of January. Oh, that's really, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I was kind of going back in your catalog on YouTube, watching like all the the, the videos I used to watch when I was like a teenager. Awesome. Uh, from Spaceman, The Moment awesome. of Weakness. Yeah. And uh, I stumbled uh, across something that made me smile so much. Uh, you've worked with a f- good friend of mine, uh, Yas Talat from Dead Celebrity Status. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, I just saw Pop, Biff Naked and Dead Celebrity. Yes. And uh, I clicked on that, got goosebumps. I got, oh, that's I awesome. I hit up Yas. I'm like, oh, oh you did? yeah. Oh, that's yes, awesome. Uh, yeah, and, it was uh, very fun. Now, he speaks Arabic, but Mar- Moroccan, and I think that it was Farsi, uh, the chorus that was written for that song. So it was like, man, it was so fun to work with them. And they were on my label. Oh, yeah. So I've toured with them before. Yeah, even Mm -hmm. like, um, so I messaged him the other day too, and I told him you were coming here too. And he got excited and he said, Yeah, Biff's like family to me. And like, yeah, it's because it's all the touring. Yeah, so fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, um, the industry has changed so much since then, too. Yes. It's wild. Like, uh, yes. how do you, I don't know, like, you seem to go with the flow. You're always, like, doing your thing and everything. And yep. uh, do you do you feel like, personally, like, uh, do you like the way it is now compared to then? Or do you like it back in the day? Or Well, I think I speak for probably a lot of different bands and artists. It's There's no revenue source whatsoever, yeah. period, the end. Like, end of story. I know a lot of people who um, are very famous or who used to be very famous, and they just literally went from uh, being able to make a lot of money or good money or even normal money to making absolutely zero. And so watching those individuals hustle, uh, and many of them are really unhappy that the fact that they have to hustle now. Yeah, there's Whereas not like there's, a royalty check coming in no, anymore. No, and because everything's changed. And, you know, they're like, oh, it just changed. No, it's changed in 95 with Napster. You know, mm. it was a very gradual change. Um, but music does get out to more people. Music is shareable. Music is universal. It's still You can still connect. You can discover, like, you know, I don't know, hip-hop from Dubai. You can discover, like, you know, pop songs from Uzbekistan. You can... Someone in India can listen to my songs. I mean, it's incredible, actually. Um, The only way you can really make money is to be performing. And so the reason, you know, you have to kind of look at 
releasing records or songs or videos as um, a vehicle to get you to perform. Yeah. So it's ads almost for the show. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when I started making uh, music and being in bands, I mean, we played for beer. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was like we we slept in the van, we we ate you know French fries, and we did the shows, and it was amazing, and we loved it, and it was it was amazing. Every small victory was incredible. Oh, yeah, and, and I think that it takes people back to that situation, and if they're not used to it, or if they, you know, they feel hard done by by that, then that's not very punk rock. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. when we all started, man, it was just like it is now. Yeah, so yeah. actually, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually. You know, like <laughs> I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, go get a day job. Who cares? Yeah, and also like it's it's cool for like a music fan like me too because it's almost like it's forcing a lot of like artists who I used to listen to back in the day go out and play shows yes. where maybe I was like too young to see them. And That's now like, right. I'm seeing everybody, That's but right. I'm sure they're annoyed <laughs> like, because like, it, I, I don't know, know there's like a push and pull with everything. Yeah, on it. I yeah. think that it was, uh, my late guitar player, JD used to always say that uh, bands like Cinderella yeah, yeah. and these bands, he used to always say that they were coming doing the casinos mm-hmm. and stuff like that because they had alimony. Oh, you know, this dude. is 10 years ago. He would yeah. say, oh, yeah, they have to go out. But then, like, yesterday, uh, I read Rage Against the Machine is getting back together to do a yeah, tour. Too. And I was like, because it's bank, number mm-hmm. one. Like, yeah. 90s, for whatever reason, is, like, having a bit of a renaissance. So all these bands are starting to reunite and go play shows. You know, yeah, they're in vans. Why are they in vans? Because it's 250000 U.S. a month for a bus. Whoa, Who yeah. wants to do that? No, no. And nobody can. You yeah. know, that's just like, and plus carbon footprint. So, I mean, ultimately, all these bands are getting back together and going to, you know, doing the grind, doing the milk run shows. Yeah, yeah. And it's the best thing ever for the fans. Yeah, I even notice in the summer too, especially like if you look at like European festivals and stuff. Amazing. And they, they have like these four-day things and you'll see like Cannibal Corpse oh, and then yeah. something oh, yeah. beside it would be like a hip-hop act like, exactly. <laughs> like and that was Post was Malone. Cool. But oh, I'm, yeah. I'm like the same show yes. and everything. I'm like, this is great. It like, is great. Yeah. And that was like the spirit of Lollapalooza. When yeah, it first yeah. started, you know, it was one of the first festivals that ever had those multi-genres together. And it was like the place to be. It was amazing. It's hard to believe it's been like, you know, 25, 30 years since those things started, and, and now it continues, and yeah, Europe really does have, but they have higher populations. Yeah, they can do you it. You know, in. Canada is very sparsely populated. People forget that, um, but they do a pretty good job out in Ontario with all the festivals and, and whatnot. They're close together, so bands can play a lot of them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to hear you like like your perspective on all that, like the, the change. Cause you lived through the shift of like being signed to the labels That's and right. now it's almost like DIY type things. It's always, it, and I always yeah. had my own label cause I yeah. couldn't get a record deal. You know, mm. bands say they, they can't get record deals. There's no deal. Mm. You know, those, those labels are never going to make their money back. Why would they sign your band? <laughs> you know, you have to do it yourself and you have to be willing to. And I mean, who cares? You have Instagram. It's free. Yeah, yeah. You know, throw your stuff up there. Like, just just keep doing it, you know. You're going to get in front of people. People are going to love it. They're going to come and see your show, period. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's cool to hear you talk about like back in the day, like being in the van and oh, yeah. doing it for <laughs> a beer and just be out of the love and too. And I find like people who have that attitude are usually the ones that excel into whatever the art form they're trying to Absolutely. doing because they're not like doing it for like I, I believe like sometimes like if you start something out and you're just thinking of a paycheck later or whatever sure. you're doing sure. it for maybe the wrong reasons right. or if you're like trying to copy something else that's popular right you just become like a watered down version of whatever that is yeah you're gonna so, always chase the dragon yeah you're yeah. gonna just chase it man you're not gonna have any fun yeah. How did it feel to like have that transition from the van to you're starting to like move it like onto the radio and like getting on the public eye to like being on fucking Jay Leno and all that? That was, was so much fun. Was it was it a quick period or did not you, at all? Not it took all? like yeah. 10 years. I was yeah. in a van for like I don't know how long. And, and some we weren't always in a bus. We were in a bus in Europe because nobody knew where they were going. Number one, yeah. you can't really do those drives by yourself through the Alps or whatever, you know. And um, I think that I was really lucky that it was gradual for me. I mean, there's lots of milestones that you that you hit. A lot of them are like the rug is pulled out from under you and you have to pick yourself up and keep going. I mean, a million things yeah, uh, can yeah. happen to a band or a person in a trajectory of their career. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just always really you know, come back to the thing that always drives us is it's just simply fun to play shows. Yeah. It's just fun to play shows. The end, like it's just fun. So why would you ever stop playing shows? I mean, I look at Tina Turner, you know, she is, uh, she was up there in a miniskirt and her heels, Mm, you know, just giving her for like until, I mean, you know, she's my mom's age, you know, come on. But because it's fun, performing is really fun. If you're a performer, you're going to always be a performer. You're never going to lose that joy. Yeah, yeah. So you'd say it's a, it's a part of you as well for life, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. It's Here, so yeah. much fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's cool. Like um, even like uh, I remember watching you in the early 2000s, uh, even like getting um, like a bunch of like TV roles and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> What I always thought was awesome about you is sometimes they'd have musicians on different shows, but they'd be playing different characters. But right. you were like in Buffy as Biff Naked yeah, and something else as yeah, like yeah. you were like <laughs> you were in so and still so cool where it's like, no, we, we need you as yourself. You're not going to be a character. That's got to be always great. fun. Yeah. yeah. I like doing stuff like that a lot. I used to complain uh, when I was asked to do stuff. I wanted to play a cop. Yeah, I wanted to play a villain, like something different. Yeah, yeah, totally. But ultimately, you know, it was always fun. I never, I never didn't like doing it. Yeah, yeah, and it's. uh, I uh, recently revisited the music video for the Ready to or Ready to Rumble. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, David Arquette. Yeah, Scott Kahn. Yeah, and, uh, and Sting. And Sting, yeah. Shout Nuts. out to Sting, not yeah. the singer, the, the, wrestler, the wrestler. whatever. It was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I remember there was that, uh, he put you on your shoulder or his oh, shoulders yes. and stuff like that. Oh, that, yeah. That must have been cool. Do you, do you still remember a lot of that shoot at all? Or? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was so much fun. We did the uh, Twisted Sister song, uh, We're Not Gonna Take It, as yeah. a cover. It wasn't, you know, we were asked to do the cover. It wasn't, uh, you know, that... I thought of it because I was smart. It was just, we were asked to do it. And it was such a great song for me because when I was 
13 years old, I saw Twisted Sister open for Iron Maiden. Oh, cool, cool. At the Winnipeg Arena with my little sister. And uh, Dee Snyder spit on me in the front row. (laughs) You know, he spit on me. He baptized (laughs) me. I was just going to say that. And so he had a radio show (laughs) in in, uh, Hartford for a number of years. And I told him that. And I thanked him for spitting on me. And I said, you know, it was the coolest thing. He laughed so hard. And then we later ran into him in, in the UK and... You know, uh, when I was with Atlantic, I would see those guys because Jason Plum also signed Twisted Sister, of course. So it was great to be able to just tell him, you know, how much he meant to me because I was a fan when I was a young kid. Mm -hmm. And and I felt like, you know, oh, this is so surreal. Like, am I going to die? You know, like, well, how can this even happen? That it comes full circle. So it's amazing that I could... Be able to tell him that in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And you crushed that song, too. It's almost like it it matched your spirit of, like, the style of music. It was music. so it's fun. Like, it's so fun. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. And even I've been seeing uh, David Arquette popping up in the news lately, almost full circle for wrestling? him as well. Yeah, wrestling. Because before, like, uh, and I, heard, I listened to, like, a little interview, because around that time, uh, it was, like, the... Like huge wrestling fans kind of call it the dark ages of WCW. Hilarious. Because Hilarious. he wasn't really like trained and they gave him this prestigious right. belt and everything. I see, I see. And um, him as a fan, it always haunted him because ah. he was such a, a big fan of pro wrestling. Right. And he goes on like forums or was even like a book of like oh, the wow. death of WCW. And it's what? like, David Arquette killed. Ah. So like... Over a Poor decade, guy. his heart was just like broken about Aww. it. But um, just recently, like a year or two ago, he just like low key started like wrestling training. Yeah, I he's saw. like, I'm gonna do this the right way. Amazing. And he's like, I, I listened to like a recent interview, and he it was like so funny and so punk rock. What he said, he's like, he had this like really bad experience with a promoter. Oh. Um, the guy he was wrestling didn't take care of him, like beat him up, like oh, dear. and then just like being almost like left, like I guess his hotel didn't got situation got screwed up. He's like, I was stranded with my suitcase. Oh my gosh. And almost in Biff Naked Spirit being like, This is awesome. Yes. Is like That's right. this is like I'm a, I'm really doing it because you That's hear all amazing. these stories of like people like whether they're in a band or yeah. like pursuing anything like comedy wrestling or whatever they have these moments where like the promoter fucks them. Oh and yes, and it's like at his level of being like at the top of Hollywood for a bit, and now That's just right. being like just getting shafted and being like, "This is great," you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like full, full circle. You awesome. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's cool to hear you talking about like, okay, I, I can be doing all these shows like back in the van now, and it's just love it. Got it. Got to keep going. That's going. right. Yeah. yeah. Why quit? Why yeah. give up? Just keep going forward. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a release date for this uh, album coming out? Or? Well, you know, the way people do music now, it seems like they just release single, 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 single. Yeah, yeah. And then when they've got their 10 out, then they just put it in in a record and then keep going. Yeah. And that seems to be what a lot of people are doing on Spotify and other other avenues. And uh, for us, that's probably how we'll go too. I don't know. You look at these artists like Selena Gomez or Rihanna or even Drake, they just like, you know, wake up on Wednesday and go, I'm dropping a single today. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, just like, yeah, you yeah. know, no warning. Everyone yeah. freaks out. Their fans freak out. But ultimately, the bottom line is the music gets out there and everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really glad that we've kind of settled on January. We were kind of like, 
didn't really know what we were going to do, but January is a perfect time of year. Yeah, I'm really excited for this, actually. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, me too. So, also, this might be too early to say, but are you planning like a tour around this? Or? Definitely. Yeah, cool, Yeah, cool. we have a tour coming up in uh, April across Canada. It's a national tour. So mm. we don't know. Uh, I can't announce all the details yeah, yet because yeah. of the other bands haven't announced, but it'll be fun. Yeah, definitely too. And um, just want to let people know if you guys are listening to this episode on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and any of your favorite podcasting apps, each and talk show. My new home of TalkShoe. I almost, <laughs> I almost didn't say TalkShoe because of my old spiel. But, um, but each and every episode has its own homepage on www.girthradio.com. And we're going to have links to everything we've talked about today. Awesome. And just like the book, every, everything. But, uh, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Biff, thank you so much for your time. And, oh, I'm honored to be here. Yeah, it meant a lot to speak to you today. Very me. cool. Me too. Yeah, yeah. And before we go, anything else you want to say? Or you... I don't know. Winter's coming. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to uh, playing Stick and Puck in and around Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, we live pretty close to the Lakeshore Arena. So that's where you'll find me Perfect. when I'm not on the stage. On the ice. <laughs> Thanks again. Girth Radio.